listen to hair on. From hair on, I'm listening to hair on. Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking facts up under pressure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still gotta keep the world together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who gon' do it like, like us? Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking facts up under pressure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining us on Heron's Home Podcast. I'm your host, Kareem Robertson, alongside my sound man, extraordinaire Rico G. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? And welcome to the studio for episode 149. We yeah. here. Welcome back, everybody. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, yeah, you've been getting into anything interesting this week? No, I didn't. I didn't watch anything new. I've just been, Um, I, I started my Mass Effect 1 playthrough, like, officially. Uh... So, that's been pretty fun. I started initially when I first got it, but uh, I, I was a noob. And I guess I didn't read the tutorial or whatever, but I didn't know how to run. So I spent like four hours just like casual jogging around the Citadel and shit. And after a while, I was just like, there's no way that I can do the whole game like this. It's fucking impossible. (laughs) So I moved on to Mass Effect 2. And I don't know, Mass Effect 2's controls were, they were all like fucking, it was was like riding a bicycle. It was was just super organic. So uh, at some point I figured out that just holding that X button, you, you dash. That's how you dash. And so eventually I decided to try it for Mass Effect 1 and it actually worked. So th- thank God I can actually play the game now. And it's been pretty good, man. Like, unfortunately, the um the powers aren't as good as and the like leveling system aren't as good as the later games. But it still holds up, man. That shit's still pretty solid. It's still pretty yeah, solid. That's what I was hearing. A lot of the reviews, people were saying that like, yo, the Mass Effect game, like the little touch ups they did yeah. went a long Hell way in bringing yeah. it to where uh, to, to closer to where the other two games were. Evidently, between one and two was a huge jump. Nigga, you ain't lying. <laughs> you ain't lying. But yeah, I think it was a gener- console generational jump. That might have been uh, what, what, yep, what was so. What was it from PS2 to jump. PS3? I believe. So. Well, it wasn't on PS2. It came out as an Xbox um, exclusive initially, Mass Effect mm. One, and then when Mass Effect Two came out, then they started. Branching out so that was probably to around PS2 PS2 three times then by that, yeah. uh, by that point. Yeah, they, I believe they were using it as a selling point for the PS3 at that time. And the new Xbox uh, 360s, I believe. Oh, damn. Shit. <laughs> Old school. Bruh, that game's from 2007 is when Mass Effect 1 came out. That shit is 14 fucking, years, bruh. bruh. So long ago. 14 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you don't even like, you don't even realize... But time is flying, man. Yeah. Time is flying. We're moving it into a whole new, like, echelon of life. Definitely. Like, and it, and it's interesting because it's, you know, your experience of time is is relational. So, like, in your brain, there's no clock ticking down time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's something that you observe as a third person. Your experience of time in your head is relational. So, it's all in relation to how long you've existed on this planet. So, when you're young, things, you know, it's like, oh, 14 years to, that, that's gonna take forever 14 years i'll never wait 14 years for anything and it's like by the time you're in your 30s you're like 14 years uh, that can actually go by pretty quickly yeah you forget how fast 14 years will fly by mm-hmm. for show yes sir and so yeah that's cool that's cool um you, you know i was looking to to watch that dota movie but it is all i was able to find was uh dota dragon's blood the series that's what i was talking about oh i thought you i thought you said it was a movie my bad I was looking for a movie. Yeah, I would. I'm definitely gonna watch that uh, the TV series. I didn't have time to 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 catch it uh, this week. But yeah, I thought that there was a movie out. I was like, all right, cool. I could just consume that real quick. And but yeah, no, nah, it's. I'm I'm looking forward to catching that series uh, at some point in the future. Yeah, it's it's super good. 
Yeah, dude. I it's mean, whoo, coming off of Castlevania, it's got a tall order to, I mean, to, to match up with. I mean, you know, it's it's like that's the beginning, whereas the Castlevania just wrapped up the whole thing. You know what I mean? So there's a different feel, but it's definitely in the same league for sure. Yeah, like Castlevania, just the whole arc. I thought it was the the writing was so well done, mm-hmm. the pacing, everything about it was just it 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 really was a testament, especially coming off of um some of the uh, not so hot views of the past. Um, which we'll get into one of them because Jupiter's Legacy had some news recently. But uh, yeah, fucking, I'm definitely looking forward to to getting into Dota. I've been high on my anime hype. You know what I mean? Anime hype has been uh, pretty pretty big for me right now, and and I've been enjoying that wave. So I'm definitely gonna try to consume some more of those. Uh, but none of those are anime, though. <laughs> what the uh, Castlevania, we wouldn't consider anime. Nah, it's it's it was produced by an American studio, written by an American studio. The only thing but it was Japanese written in anime about it, style, like the, it, it it was definitely I mean, it's of the style of anime more in, so than I would say an American style. I would disagree with that because the writer specifically said that he was inspired by old school horror movies. From I understand that, but a lot of anime is also inspired by old school horror movies. I mean, I don't I think like, that takes away okay, from the anime. Style. The reason why I disagree with that is that anime specifically means like. Animation produced in Japan. Feel me? I understand that. Uh, I believe that that ultimately was back when anime very seldomly was produced outside of Japan. I think that the style of anime could be adhered to to people outside of Japan. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But but that makes it anime style. That doesn't make it anime. Okay, then. Uh, I believe it was a very good anime style uh, show. Yeah, which I agree I believe is an arbitrary distinction because what? it's like anime. <laughs> and, and it Look, serves the same you, purpose as anime. If, if, if <laughs> you would need the word like if fucking comparisons didn't exist, right? It's similar, but it's not the same thing. That's why we have. That's why we call it different things. But all animes aren't the same thing. <laughs> not all animes are the same thing. They they're whole, But so they're all a, anime, though, are arbitrary, they not? <laughs> which makes the distinction you're making arbitrary. For real, that's all right, it. for sure. You're the one with the, I got uh, with you. the arbitrary distinction. For on sure, this I got you. <laughs> But yeah, no, nonetheless, it's I'm definitely looking forward to catching more animated uh, series uh, on Netflix before I decide to cancel that. Because I'm sure they're going to do some fuckery. But, um, dude, uh, Jupiter's Legacy, mm-hmm. that uh, got some news recently. Evidently, they decided it wasn't going to pan out. They just released all of the surprise, cast. From its, surprise, surprise. Uh, yeah, from its obligations. And I was like, man, I was hoping for some kind of resolution. Like, by the time they actually got to um, the the quote-unquote bad guy, the... The uh, the brother? Yeah, the brother. Um, not, not, uh, no, not Walt. The other bad guy that they were, that they were ostracizing as the bad guy who wasn't. Right, uh, Greyhawk or whatever his name is. Yeah, what was his name again? Not Walt. Um, regardless, <laughs> it doesn't matter because they're not continuing it. But um, yeah, that storyline was kind of intriguing. I was interested to see where they were going to go with that because if they wrapped that strong, I felt like the series could have kind of redeemed itself. But they were like, nah, we're just going to let these guys go from their obligations. Yeah, that. they wrote themselves into a corner, bro. Like, again, again. Mm-hmm. How was a guy with mind powers able to create a clone of a superpowered being strong enough to fight the strongest character in the universe in the, in that game's universe and other people to a standstill? How where did that clone come from? 
that what about your brain powers allowed you to do that? And, and moreover, if you have that power, there's got to be a better way to do that. Why did you go through all this bullshit yeah. rigmarole if yeah. you could do all that? <laughs> like so you, it's like they wrote themselves into a corner. I, I feel I under, completely understand. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there was no saving it. Yeah, the, I guess they couldn't get out of that 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 box. They that's what, that's the minute that nigga showed up as he was the one created clone. I was like, oh yeah, let me see this, my nigga. Yeah, let me got, see this. You got a lot. To, you got let a lot me of see how you fucking pan this shit out. You know what I mean? Like, even in um, Invincible, there was a similar storyline where somebody was creating powerful clones, but they showed you like, oh no, he kidnapped some bad guys who were experts in the cloning. And he was, you know what I mean? Like from it, a, it, they, they, they explained actually it to you that. from one to the, from step one to step yeah, 10, like, the whole way. How does this way. person with robot powers all of a sudden now can make clones? That doesn't make sense. Well, let us make it make sense for you. Well, he <laughs> never made the clones. He couldn't make the clones. So he went well, to some yes. cloning experts. And, and exactly. Which is, I'm assuming what uh, Walt did. Because you're right. Except, it makes no sense except he made the clones. when they showed it, they were like, he created the clone and they had him standing over the clone with the orb that he put inside of the clone. Remember he was putting the yeah. orb that had the clone of their um of their dad's clock yeah. and watch? He was putting that inside the clone. And why would he put clone. that inside the thing? That didn't even make sense. Thank you. They're writing themselves as a bunch of corners that, that I was they, that you need, need to be an exceptionally creative <laughs> person to satisfactorily get your, satisfactorily get yourself out of that corner. Yeah. It's just like what is going on with this convoluted bullshit? Like you guys had such a good base to work from. Like it, it's like the you, you took the sense. Fox, you <laughs> took the Fox News route where you were like, "Oh, I have this great manuscript. Let me strip all of that out and put in a bunch of shit that I want to put into it, and it's For gonna no reason, work." Because the comic book had continuity. The comic book made sense. Yeah. So how they managed to take a story that made sense and befuddle it makes. N- well, it's hopefully the next one is better because uh, Mark Millar signed a whole deal with uh, Netflix for Millar World. So whatever project he comes up with next, hopefully that one's better than this one. Give it to a new team, man. Yeah, like and 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 I don't. Do you think it was the? Do you think it was the IP or was it the 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 showrunners? Nah, it's the team for sure. Showrunners. Okay, it's I agreed. I so I would like if to you see can adapt Jupiter's Invincible right. and update it the way you did. If you can have the boys and update it the way you did. Then you can definitely do Jupiter's Legacy, which has. I love that those two things exist in the same world too. Excuse me. Yeah, Invincible and Boys, because it shows like you can take a graphic novel, you can adapt it in yeah, animated yeah. style, you can adapt it live action. You either way, and you can do it right. And DC you can, um, animated movies have shown you can also take mm, the movies and adapt them in the movie form, Dark or adapt them in a two movie form. What was it? Dark Apocalypse War. Oh, uh, Justice League um, War, a Dark Apocalypse. That uh, was a fucking amazing. Just so good. Yeah. Just um, they, they really definitely. Uh, also, like uh, uh, the Dark Knight Returns animated movies, one mm-hmm, and two. Mm-hmm. Like, so you can do an adaptation properly. It's just that whether you're deciding to do a, a, a page for page with just changing a few little things, or if you want to take the old thing, and use it just as a skeleton and make your new new work. But. Yeah. So because in, Invincible did the thing where they animated the scenes between the panels. And boys did a thing where they would, like you just described, where they took the skeleton and then built a show around it. And both of them could be successful. It's just you got to do it right. Yep. And so, yeah, I, I tend to agree. It, you don't ha- it, it's not a particular path you have to take. You just got to do it right. <laughs> you just got to get the right uh, showrunner on your shit. True, true. 
like oh man, it, with, with with Jupiter's Legacy, it's one of those times when I think back on like Game of Thrones and when the showrunners was like, you look at all of these storylines that George is developing, <laughs> and you think to yourself, what's the point? And it's like that was not an appropriate response for that. But this, if what's I was one the of the showrunners for Jupiter's Legacy and I was going through this, that's probably what they were going through. Like, what's the point of this storyline? Yeah. Because they clearly didn't. They had no. They had no uh, finality in their vision, it seemed like. They had an idea that seemed good in a moment and maybe had one or two cool scenes planned out, but then they had to fill it in for a show. It's like one or two scenes don't make a show. Nope. You know what I mean? And one or two good ideas don't make a show, which, and, and I think that that's definitely something that Jupiter's Legacy suffered from is that it had a, see, some great ideas, but that doesn't make a show. The a thing lot more goes is, into it. See, the hard part of balance about superhero shows is the budget, right? Superhero effects is hella expensive and doing it on any sort of like week to week basis or any sort of TV show basis is very, very difficult. So you need to be smart enough to write your show that it's compelling when they're not using their powers. And this is where that shit failed. Half of the show failed that way. The only interesting um, uh, non-powered really story that I liked in this one was like... um, uh, towards the end, I thought it was interesting when when the brothers was was the when the brothers' resentment started to come out more, and he actually started admitting it. I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm, yeah, and also like in the future, um, Hutch's relationship with uh the daughter. I don't yes, remember her name. Yes, hundred percent. I felt so bad because when she OD'd for a half a second, I was like, oh, thank God! Like just <laughs> just let her go, man. And and I, and I felt bad. I was like, nah, you can't. But it was just like She's the character struggling. was like, ah, oh, she was so tortured. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I believe that her angst was kind of like on a thousand, but at the same time, <laughs> I think I, I don't want to make it seem like I that she didn't have a reason. She had every reason to be angsty, but at the same token, it's like I just don't get people who who totally disregard all of the good and only focus on the bad. Like, yes, there was tons of bad in your life, but you got superpowers and you could do mad shit and people love you. So, eh, yes, there's bad. Not to erase the bad. But can you focus a little more on the good parts? No, you're just gonna, you know, sedate yourself and 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 do massive amounts of drugs. Like, sheesh. Also, I feel like it would take more drugs to get a superhero high. <laughs> I feel like superheroes, when you see them doing drugs, like, nah, B, they need like horse tranquilizer type shit. They need elephant tranquilizers, bruh. They superheroes, right? Their metabolism. I mean, is it a depends bit... on the power that you <laughs> true, got. True, true, true. Depends on or the like that fucking. Douchebag Nick of Time. Oh my oh god. god. <laughs> so He's that the was, worst. Yo, that's the He's douchiest the character I've seen in a show in a long time, man. Uh, he was even douchier than Barnabas. Mm. And Barnabas was an ultra douche. Yes. Fucking changing her fucking clothes. <laughs> Bro. Bro, that guy was just Your a weirdo. Barnabas is so creepy. That's what I'm saying. Like there was there was points in that show that were really interesting. Yes. And and it was funny because you said they have to make the parts without the powers interesting. And they think I feel like they hit on that part, but they didn't make the parts with powers. With the powers, and yeah, they failed at that part. They did it once, and then and that was the worst part. I would have rather them not. Put yeah, that scene because in there. they did it. It was the opening scene, right? Yes, yep. I would have rather them yep. not give me that. Got me super excited for the whole series. Thank you. As much as I like that scene, I would have rather them not do it because it gave me a false uh, expectation, <laughs> and it wasn't yeah. one that I fostered myself. Like Fuck when yeah. I have false expectations, eh, I get it. I, I dream a lot, but when they set me up for failure, I'm like, nah, B. Why you do that? <laughs> yeah, that episode one ended on a really, really like high tone, and I was like, "Yo, let's see where this is going." Yeah, 
I can't wait. <laughs> and then they downhill. made you wait. And then they made you downhill. <laughs> that's where it's going. It's going straight downhill. And it's gonna stay there for yeah, a long, I can't long wait. time. And then they made you wait. <laughs> God damn. But like, yeah. Where's the payoff? So we will not be getting a season two of that. So I will not be recommending season one of that to yeah, anybody. Yeah, it's not surprising, you know. Uh, yeah, moving on from that, uh, in some gaming news. All right, I got this one ready for you. Okay, this one, this this one is. I I, I feel like we we're, we're going to be able to commiserate this one. Are you familiar with Firaxis? <laughs> yeah, they all make right. um all of the uh, XCOM, uh, XCOM games. Yes, yeah. sir. They have actually just penned a deal with Marvel to make okay. a turn-based Marvel XCOM-type game, my nigga. That sounds pretty crazy. That sounds fucking amazing to me, my sounds nigga. Sounds pretty this, crazy. That, I read that, I was I immediately thought of you. I was like, oh, this is going to be tight, bro, because well, XCOM is an amazing uh, uh, SRPG. Yeah. I love really it. Good. I thought it was a really good game. I didn't get to play as much of it as I would like, just because I like, it on, I like playing my games on console, and I got it on the PC. But... Nonetheless, the game is amazing, and if you add Marvel IP to that, oh, yeah. oh, it God forbid like they actually put success. good story, bro. And and like the what I love about uh, uh, Firaxis games is that they have they're not cookie cutter games. They all have systems in them. And as a role playing game enthusiast, you'll understand what I mean by systems. You know what I mean? Because there's a very there's a template that most RPGs have to hit if they want to really like Be stick to the genre. RPG, yeah. And so it takes systems to make those differently. Like Final Fantasy innovated with the job systems. Uh Dragon Quest really innovated with with um with actually a, a whole host of systems from the item creation to monster uh uh monster catching systems, things like that. Systems are just uh, uh, mechanics in the game outside of the core RPG template that add variety to the gameplay. And yeah, I think that Firaxis is actually really good at that. And they're really good at adding systems for character development and for gameplay. So I'm just amped. I'm amped. I'm, I was sitting here thinking like, what storyline are they going to pull from? Like, oh my goodness, will they actually be working off of some of the Jonathan Hickman era uh, storylines because boy man I would love to see some of that brought into the transmedia narrative I mean that would be interesting um, I'm more interested in, in the gameplay you know because because XCOM is more so about the gameplay than the Absolutely. story the story is great but like you spend like 60 hours fighting people and like mm-hmm. maybe maybe 10 getting story it's a, min- you feel it's a minority me? portion of the game for sure. so um, I'm, I'm, I'm more con- considering like how, how are you going to adapt those characters and those uh, 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 powers into that sort of uh, gameplay setting. So I'm excited to see where they what they do well, with that. And, and what I loved about XCOM was the variety, and that's yeah, what the later you ones need had a lot of a, a game a with systems with variety to really flesh out the 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 expansive roster of of characters you have available to you in an X Men IP. And and moreover, I really want that Marvel Ultimate Alliance feel again. But I would love it if I could get it in that turn-based, because that's more my style, personally, of gameplay. Like, I loved Marvel Ultimate Alliance. I thought they did a great job of that action RPG uh, feel. But a genuine RPG? Oh. And and I don't think I've... Has there been an X-Men RPG? X-Men themed Uh, RPG. uh, The X-Men... 
that that the the X Men game that preceded um, Ultimate Alliance is pretty much the closest you got. Yeah, uh, man, I'm I'm super. The hype is very high for me, and I mean, I'm sure the game is at least two years off. So, it's, yeah, it's, I'm curious to see how they do that. Oh man, and and, and what the initial roster is gonna be like? I oh goodness, who are they gonna use exactly? Like, there's so they have so many uh, characters to draw upon. Like, yes, I'm very excited, and and Phyraxis is has a lot of things going for it, in my opinion. Firstly, being a small studio, I think that that has, is actually a plus these days when it comes to game development. Um, they also have uh, a track history of of the genre that is is very good. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you know when Platinum Games first started dropping games, it was a risk. We didn't know whether Platinum Games was going to be on top of all of these action RPGs. They succeeded. Don't even get it twisted, but it's always, especially when you're working with AAA titles, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up when you see a, a design studio uh, delve into their first uh, forays into a genre. Um, so Firaxis has, you know, a history going for it. And also, uh, I think that working with Marvel as content creators, that is also a huge plus. Always. I think that Marvel has... I don't. I don't know if it's perfect. I'm not a Marvel content creator, so I couldn't t- say that. But it seems like, as a consumer, they really got a chokehold on the game when it comes to how to work with the various types of other studios that are producing content for your IP. So yeah, I think that that uh, I thought that that one. I, I was hoping that one might might uh, generate some hype for you. I thought that that was that was one that is going to be very keenly on my radar for the. Uh, the upcoming future. I got to see the, it has a lot of potential, but like I'm actually having a hard time seeing how that's going to work. Cause XCOM is primarily mm-hmm. shooters, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. there's like maybe two melee classes in, um, in, uh, 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 XCOM, the newest ones. So it's like, there's no tanks, right? Cause I was assuming. Nah, that, nah I've we, never yeah, experienced kind of, one. kind of, there are, there, they have a, they have, um, like a demolition character that's that's got more health and armor than the average character. <laughs> yeah, dude. I think that with some tweaks that that system, given power base, like energy, uh, uh, energy based powers, things like that. Um, oh yeah, there's definitely potential. You know what I mean? There's def- I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to see it though. You know? Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? yeah. And and I understand the skepticism 100. You know, I'm, I'm I'm the ultimate fanboy. I, I have faith in both Fraxis and Marvel, but. I, I gotta see that product before especially because like eh, like unfortunately it's marvel you know what i mean and that means that it's a cash cow that's gonna print money so mm. whoever it gets attached to marvel don't have to try hard to make a lot of money especially when it comes to video games as we can see from the previous avengers games that they just made mm, oh, so, okay so there you go there that's so i was thinking i was like well where have the marvel ips really just not hit and you definitely yeah that, that, that Marvel Avengers MMO is just not it. It's not it, and that's mainly because they try uh, of the business model that they tried to to fit it in. And from what I actually understand, the gameplay is solid in that game. It's the lack of content and monetization that fucking ruins it. Um, oh man, so that's why I mean that's, I want to wait and see for that stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's that's cool. Oh, my I goodness. like. I'm, I didn't even think of that, but potential. if if they try to make it some shitty fucking uh, season pass slash loot box <laughs> slash 
gotcha type system. Oh my god, I'd be so bro. Man, my life is full of Marvel properties. <laughs> really lends itself to that, you know what I mean? It really does because so, unless it's a company like um, damn, I forget who makes the Spider Man games, but but they've been making the, that game for fucking decades. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So all they're doing is moving to a new system. So I can rely on them to do that. So I, I just I just got to see where their head's at. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, there, there wasn't a whole lot going on in the gaming sphere, but I thought that that was a, that was a, a fun one to hit on. So, yeah, let's hit, the, uh, let's hit the, the political fuckery because you know there is no shortage of that. Actually, there's a ton of shit going on around the world, so let's touch on some of that stuff. Uh, over in um, Africa, Mali. So Mali recently went, underwent a military coup. And Mali has a very tumultuous history in its own governance uh, because it is a, it has been the subject of a lot of uh, colonial attempts at destabilizing its government. And so like, like all attempts at destabilizing government, the people are ultimately the ones that suffer. Um, so the military ousted the, the former leader um at the behest, and, and I guess you could say it's at the behest of the people, but really at the behest of their own self-interest. And so the surrounding nations, knowing the propensity for militaries in Africa to, to hold on to power more uh, longer than is necessary, have all organized to kind of pressure the Mali military into uh, actually holding elections so that they can transition from this coup government into an actual democratic government, which that's honestly, that's the best way for something like this to happen. It is far less beneficial for Mali for let's say a French NGO to come in and try to organize their infrastructure for them. It is much better for their surrounding trade partners to put non-military pressure on the 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 standing uh government to reinstate elections because that is a form of soft power that can very very easily transition into a more populist uh uh institution when ngos privatize the government by bringing in specialists and think tanks and all of these extra governmental actors to to set up infrastructure it really is not in the people's best interest because the power then moves from those ngos to a very uh a small elite class in those 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 countries and so mali is at a very uh, uh pivotal point right now because if this proves to be successful this could be a a a blueprint for other african countries to start to transition away from the destabilized colonial instituted governments that have been very popular all throughout Central and Northern Africa to a more populist-oriented democratic government. And so, yeah, I, I wanted to point that out because, you know, Mali is, is, is a relatively important uh, country in terms of trade and commerce, and, and, and it really is indicative of and 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 I don't want to say this paternalistically, but African countries kind of getting their shit together, because it's not that they 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 haven't you know been able to govern themselves, but they have 
been under a, a, a historical attack on their their uh, government, their governance. And so it's really indicative of that of African countries relying on other African countries to help them reform uh, their neighbor states, which is just it's far better. It's far better than having nation states, you know, hundreds of thousands of miles away, just funneling in fake money into your government. Because especially a government that 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 sits on land that has natural resources like financialization is, is something that tends to help countries without resources. That's why European countries and all of that places like Norway and, and, and Sweden, they financialized very well and their people knowing that they had no natural resources to enter into the, gov- uh, the into the global commerce market, realize that this is the only way for them to do so in a healthy manner. African countries do not have that issue. They do not have to uh, uh, financialize their economies for them to be valuable. They're sitting on value. The land of Africa is in and of itself value. The land of Norway is not valuable. Frozen tundra isn't valuable to people. You know what I mean? Fertile land, uh, rare earth metals, all of these things, you know, that's what is biodiversity. You don't even like it wouldn't even be fair to compare Africa's biodiversity to 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 the European continent. It wouldn't even be fair. You know what I mean? And so we 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 have to to stop looking at Africa as, you know, a a poor continent that needs to be formed in modernity. No. It's a rich continent that has been under consistent assault historically from its other neighbors. What we need to do is empower them or 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 remove our negative influence from their from from their environment so that they can continue on the path of prosperity that they had for thousands of years prior to to European settlement you know so yeah it's, it's mali i'm 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 keeping an eye on that i think that that is a very interesting um <clears throat> uh development and one that that could prove to be very positive um and moreover looking also in africa akon's first city in uh, his first city is in nigeria right no no senegal yeah his city in Senegal is due to break ground, I think, in August, I want to say. And he's got plans for a second city in, in Uganda already. My nigga is really doing this shit. And these these are two cities, granted new cities, granted not huge population cities, but these are huge cities, technologically advanced, that operate on his proprietary currency. Yo, my nigga Akon is on another level. I hope, listen, whatever I have to say about him being in the studio with 6ix9ine is whatever. This nigga's on a whole nother level. Like, he's not even on the J level. He's not even on, he's left, he's left all of these, like, there isn't a mogul in America that, that can even hold a candle to what Akon is doing. Like, that shit is serious business. My man is on the works for his second city. Listen. That's moves, my nigga. He's living his dream, man. Oh, he's living the best life. The best life. And he earned it. It was funny because I saw there was another headline that Akon came up with. Um, someone jacked his car, and when they found it, he told them to let the guys go. Like, don't even matter. <laughs> don't even matter. I could relate to a nigga who needed to steal a car. Let him go. No charges. I was like, you know what? Right on. Right on. Hopefully that. that will teach them a better lesson because we know that incarcerating them would not teach them a lesson. It'll only put them into a place with other car thieves to refine their art. You know, it's like, it's not going to, it's not going to 
reform anything. Yeah, if you truly so want to help grace, him, you want to get to the reasons about him of why he's stealing the car in the first place. There you go. And 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 honestly, I want to I want to come off as a super square for this, but I do honestly on not even on any religious shit. I do believe in the transformative power of grace. I think I do feel like more people have been ch- changed positively through grace than through punitive measures. I've I've definitely you know and and you know from my observations of humans, I believe at least seventy five percent of punitive actions is pure self satisfaction. Absolutely, one thousand percent self serving. Absolutely, it has nothing to do with making the world better and everything to do with wanting to see the person Suffer. get punished. It's sadism. It's sadism. It's it's the person who is doling the punishment, getting gratification from seeing someone else's suffering, and it's it's crazy. Like and then and, and you know that's what, and, and it makes me think a lot about like physical discipline because it's like I I don't ever want to hurt my child, but I understand how physical discipline works. But at the same token, it's like how do you how do you you know where do you gauge that line? You know what I mean? But. I never want to be a sadist when it comes to to those kind of things, you know? And yeah, that was a total tangent, but I just feel like the grace is what is going to be positive in those people's lives. If they've, the idea that, you know, these car thieves haven't experienced any like harsh consequences in their life is probably a fallacy. These car thieves probably have already experienced very harsh penalties for their actions. And they weren't, they didn't, they weren't affected by them. They weren't moved by it. They didn't. And so, yeah, absolutely. Like the Akon's mind is on another level when it comes to that, because the average person and even the average poor and indigent person, even the average person who is also in the same demographic as the car thieves would look at them as, as, as less than, as not deserving of the grace. You know what I mean? And, and that's exactly the moment when grace is needed the most. There, there, there wasn't even like Akon is so rich that them stealing his car wasn't for him to seek retribution would imply that he was slighted and he what there was no slight those people were incapable of slighting him so for him to seek some kind of retribution through through punitive measures would just wouldn't even make sense it, it would be him admitting that he was slighted by somebody who had no power to even slight him you know what I mean it's like it's it's crazy like the 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 mindset that that is actually presented when one just chooses to to provide that kind of of grace to another it, it, it says a lot it says a lot especially in a world where you just don't see grace handed out you don't unless it's jay-z and jay electronica because that nigga gave him grace for 10 years like yo listen bro <laughs> you got 10 years to work on this album that's wild my nigga my bad <laughs> that's, that's a complete aside but um yeah i, th- I, I always got to give props to, to akon when 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 he's making these massive massive moves that shit is, is awe-inspiring. But yeah, in other foreign news, what's been going on? Um, you know, I've been sitting back and and I wouldn't say sitting back, but I've been watching this, uh, what's going on in Palestine, more intently than I have in the past, for sure. Um, and it's probably due to the fact that I'm so much more aware of the, the tactics of the contemporary uh, establishment to destroy any form of of public uh movement towards civil rights the contemporary uh uh establishment has is using very very insidious 
and underhanded methods to to uh kind of attack and uh manipulate people who are very validly seeking civil rights reform in their given societies. You see it in America when when black people march for uh police reform and you see it in Palestine when people uh march to not have their homes stolen. And that is a basic civil right. The the idea that you have a subsection of society that is barred from private property ownership that is protected by the state is literally a technique that white people used in America for hundreds of years to disenfranchise black people. I watching what's going on in Palestine right now, I'm realizing more and more they are taking the playbook directly from America. The content, and that's not to say that America originated the the uh, systemic oppression of people. That I'm not saying they originated, but they refined it in this contemporary mode, utilizing the technologies and tools at hand in a way that no other country has managed to do. And moreover, they are exporting this style, whether it's it's purposely to places like Israel, or just through its poor example to places like China. Because m- make no mistakes. China is employing the same playbook to disenfranchise the, 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 the ethnic minorities in their north. You have the Christian Uyghurs. You have the Muslim uh, minorities. You have the Mon- Mongolian minorities. You have the Taiwanese minorities. You have the, so, you know what I mean? Like China is a fierce purveyor of this very same type of, of, of civil oppression of its, of its, uh, of its people. So, you know, watching what's going on in Palestine, it, the, the, uh, the similarities to what's going on in all of the, the world's, uh, civil rights movements, whether they're in China, Israel, America, uh, Haiti, uh, uh, Mali, they all have a, a a certain tone in terms of how the oppressive forces are reacting to them. That is eerily similar. It's eerily similar. The tactics, the military weapons, like the 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 military style weapons that are being deployed in in places like Yemen are the same weapons that are being deployed in Gaza. And they're the same weapons that we're seeing pop up on the streets of places like uh, Kenosha or places like Portland. You know what I mean? Like there is a there is a a, a connectivity to this struggle, and and it's not one that I saw initially. I did not see the international implications of of police reform when George Floyd was murdered. I didn't see it, but over the past year, it's really come into focus to me how critically. All of these things are tied together, all of them, and 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 moreover, when when you see that, it brings into focus how important it is for us to to organize against the root causes, because since these issues are so systemic, they are since these issues are born from layers upon layers of of social strata that were built on top of. Uh, uh, a ideology that America was exporting. 
we have to we have to uh we have to understand that if we want to pull out any if we want any of these issues to be solved we have to start attacking the root causes because when you start attacking those root causes all of the other things that are around your issue that seem insurmountable tend to fall away we we tend to lose sight of how are we going to fix worker solidarity around the world or uh or medical apartheid around the world, or how are we going to solve all of these big problems? How are we going to uh, solve police brutality around the world? And and it seems insurmountable because those are all such big problems to deal with. But when you realize that they are all just derivative of the issue of 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 capitalist expansion and imperialist expansion around the world and the exporting of of oppressive regimes around the world, then you realize like okay. So if I want to deal with all those issues, let me focus on this one thing that generates the circumstances that create all of these other issues. That's not to say that we don't deal in harm reduction because people's lives are at stake. It's not like, you know, the harm reduction is just making people more comfortable. The harm reduction is actually saving lives. And so that's not to say that we don't address some of the disparate issues head on where they're at on the ground. But that's to say if we actually are organizing in in large scale we we should be organizing to attack root causes of issues like the international commerce that leads America to send uh, uh, militarized police equipment to Israel. Let's deal with that. Let's deal with that root cause because that's a that's a economics issue that is now being expressed as a police brutality issue in 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 Gaza. You know what I mean? We got to start attacking root causes, and a lot of the root causes are economic. You know, they really are. I get it. You know, it's not it's it's part and parcel with the bad proclivities of some people, but it's also economic. And so dealing with bad people is a lot harder than just dealing with economic issues. So let's deal with that, because that's that's one that we can we can we have facets in our government to deal with it. We can do legislation, regulation, policy. We can do any manners of things to deal with that. But, yeah, you know, I, I that was just something that had that had jumped across the screen that really highlighted to me like man the solidarity or the interconnectedness of all of these issues is one that is it's complex but once you suss it out and you get all of the 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 working parts uh identified it comes it becomes a much clearer picture of, of where one should be dedicating their time and effort at least to educating yourself but yeah thought that that was a, a a real interesting one that came across the international scene um what else oh man in sri lanka we have the uh a massive container ship filled with all manners of industrial chemicals and plastics sinking off the coast that is causing a massive environmental disaster massive massive environmental disaster um this is going to destroy part of the Sri Lankan coastline. Mark my words. Sri Lanka's southwest coastline will be in disrepair for the next 30 years. They're going to have massive die-offs. They're going to be dealing with massive ocean uh, acidification. Um, And then they're going to have to deal with what happens when that water becomes part of the the global body of water. This is not like, you know, just dumping some 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 bleach down your drain. This was a whole 
container ship full of toxic materials that just drop. Not to mention the fuel of the ship. The the toxic materials that come from from the degradation of the ship when it sinks. It's just it's a clusterfuck and it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be real bad. And and it's just one of those things. No one needed anything on that container ship. That container ship was not shipping anything that anyone needed. That ship container ship was shipping a bunch of ship that probably a bunch of people wanted, probably was going to sit on the shelf and waste away. That container container ship was not a pivotal uh, 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 driver of economy for anything. And so we have to come to the conclusion of whether, is it worth it to ship garbage around the world when it runs the risk of destroying massive swaths of the habitat? Not to say that we don't want any kind of commerce. I'm not being anti-commerce, but what I'm saying is, is that is global commerce on that level worth the risk of destroying the amount of land that is destroyed? That is, is it worth burning the amount of fossil fuels that it burns? Is it worth that? And that is ultimately one of the big questions that environmentalists just want people to start to think about. You know what I mean? And and I I understand that those shipping containers were massive uh, uh, in the expansion of global trade. I get it. Completely understand how that happens. But at some point, we have to realize that either A, we, we make these ships smaller and more uh, environmentally sustainable, or we 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 just run the 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 risk of of you know you have the one in the Suez Canal that just happened, you have the one in Sri Lanka. We've had you know the Panama Canal has had many issues with with its container ships. You know, at some point we're gonna have to 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 stop and realize, hey, you know, is it really worth it? And I know that for the for the big businesses, it is worth it. But what I'm trying to say is that I wish, I hope that the average person thinks a little bit more deeply about this because we all contribute to that, to that myth of, well, we need to have the stuff. And if we can at least come within our own minds to the conclusion, like, huh, well, I didn't need that stuff. Then we, we would, we will make decisions in our own political lives based on that. So instead of trying to to elect politicians that are pro all of this big trade, we should probably elect politicians that are, are, are more in line with reforming our global logistics supply line. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, encouraging countries to produce things in their own homes. You know, like the idea that we promote our commerce, our international commerce at the detriment of the literal world we live on. It's kind of antithetical, you know. It's kind of it, it, it's 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 a it should be a non-starter. It should be a non-starter, you know. Like we we require all of these big shipping containers because we refuse to actually empower any of these countries to produce the things that they need where they are, you know. Countries can produce most countries most countries can produce enough food to to support their their population. It's a matter of access and distribution that they have an issue with. But rather than help them build the roads and infrastructure so they can distribute the food and have functioning farms, NGOs would rather just ship food from across the world and distribute it personally. 
That makes no sense. That does, that's not a healthy way to go about this. And, and once again, the intersectionality between malfeasance of NGOs, the environment, and international shipping. All three of those things seem like they are disparate, but they all are very integrally intertwined because each of them feeds into the other industry. But yeah, I thought that that was another one that uh, it's, we don't know how bad that is. We don't know how bad that one's going to be yet. And that one's going to, we're going to be hearing for years down the line that the Sri Lankan coast is foobarred and the fallout from that. So that was one that I thought was a uh, uh, real interesting. And also the, uh, so there's been an issue with, that's been becoming more popular in the political sphere of the undue influence that corporations have in foreign governments through aid packages. And this is one that uh, came up because COVAX, which is an, an international non-governmental organization that is working to distribute the vaccines around the world. COVAX puts stipulations on governments that want to receive their vaccines. Those governments are then beholden to institute laws and regulations on their citizenry that was brought up by the COVAX Council. That is not an elected body. That's not beholden to the citizenry and is now showing undue influence around the world in these third world countries like Jamaica. Like a lot of the things that people were complaining about in Jamaica that had to do with the lockdowns and so forth came from the COVAX restrictions that, that, that were imposed when they distributed vaccines there. And so we're running into an issue now where non-governmental organizations, whether it's through medical uh, assistance, whether it's food distribution, whether it's internet distribution, whether any number of of, uh, uh, resources that are controlled through private companies are subverting government's sovereignty through imposing commerce rules that have wide-reaching policy. Now, no government should, should ever sign into an agreement that imposes regulations thought up by a non-elected council on their people. It just shows the mismanagement of the government. It shows that no matter how charismatic Andrew Holness is, he is in the pocket of the moneyed interest, here being the pharmaceutical companies. And these are this is a big issue. This is a big issue worldwide. You know, like it's 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 reminiscent of the the complaints that you hear in conspiracy theories that there's a shadow government taking over the world. I don't know about the the evil shadow government, but there is definitely an undue amount of of billionaires who have a huge amount of influence on governments that they don't participate in. And that that is hugely problematic. Because that's just one step away from what the conspiracy theorists are saying. Because we don't get to talk to Bill Gates about all of the shit that he's imposing on on, on uh, the countries who receive his aid. We don't get to talk to Zuckerberg. And when they talk to our Congress, they blow smoke up their ass. And so we really do need to be super mindful of, of, this, of this wave of, of very powerful billionaires and non-governmental organizations that are showing a huge amount of, of, uh, of influence in this new economy that is being born post-COVID. 
because COVID only solidified all of these these superpowers, these individual superpowered billionaires, individual wealth. COVID just ramped that shit up big time to to, to nine thousand. So, yeah, I, I I know that there's a lot of countries, especially African countries, who are starting to decline uh, uh, assistance from these con- uh, these companies unless they relieve those those restrictions. You know, and and especially because one of those those restrictions is a is a liability waiver, which I'm just like, nah, B. Nothing that's good for you has to be sold to you. When I mean sold to you, I mean you don't have to be convinced of the things that are good for you. When something's good for you, it, it's pretty evident. That's not to say that people don't don't uh, do things against their best interest, but they usually know it's against their best interest. They just want something else. They want something that they that is against their best interest, which is completely human. Nothing, there's no, there's nothing in your brain that prevents you from wanting things that will hurt you. It just it is what it is. That doesn't mean that that you don't recognize when someone is trying to provide you assistance. Most people recognize that. And if you're looking at someone who's quote unquote providing you assistance and it don't feel like assistance, it's probably because it's not assistance. That is, is what it is, especially when it comes to people who are trying to, to, to inject things into you or, or, or get you indebted to their monetary system. Those kind of people don't usually have your best interest in mind. But yeah, stay skeptical, people. Gotsta, gotsta. But yeah, moving on from that, dude, this shit has been crazy in, in, in the, uh, the current events here stateside. Did you see this shit with Ellie Kemper and the, the Veiled Prophet Society? I did not. So, are you familiar with Ellie Kemper? Is no, nah. she was a, a a character on the um the Office, but she's relatively, I think, inane otherwise. But she evidently was outed as being part of this beauty pageant that's held by the Veiled Prophet Society. Now, obviously, it's some weird occult shit. <laughs> like nobody has a a, a legitimate. You know, uh, organization it's called like, the Veiled Prophet Society. Like culty name at all. You know what I mean? And so she was outed as being uh, a member of that society. Then, and, and that was, I think, and, and, and I do feel like this was, somebody had a rollout for this. Somebody was like, oh, we, we know how to, 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 to pull the veil off of this one. And so they outed her as being a member of that, of that society. But that was just the, that was just the teaser. Then they started releasing information about the history of the Veil Prophet Society and its connection to the Ku Klux Klan. Uh oh. Then they started releasing out all the information about how I think it was like eight out of nine people on the St. Louis City Council are all members of the Veil Prophet Society. And then it came out that the police chief, and so now the entire St. Louis City Council and police establishment is coming under heavy fire from the people. But I thought that shit was hilarious because it started out with just some random no-name actress getting fucking called out for some bullshit. And it really had nothing to like the 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 original fervor didn't even didn't even address how deep the fuckery had really gone. No, that's smart though. That's the way you do absolutely. that. Absolutely. I thought that that's why I felt like it was a rollout. Went in, if you had went in, it absolutely was a rollout. Because if you had went in at the beginning, they would have shut down the shit at the beginning mm-hmm. and you would have lost your steam. By mm-hmm. having it b- built up around a celebrity, it got a lot more traction before you got to the meet. It was perfect because 
it was a celebrity that is vaguely interesting enough to enough of this uh the population that it would get people uh speaking or researching but it wasn't a celebrity that was big enough to get them to clap back you know what i mean like i'm sure ellie has not said anything she is silently slipped into the wind like a like a quiet fart and uh yeah she, she hasn't said nothing about it cuz she i'm pretty sure she knows that she needs this to die down and just go back into the back of people's memories <laughs> if she's ever going to work again but um yeah it, it stirred up some shit in St. Louis which i'm loving it i'm loving it because St. Louis has huge issues so a lot of these southern cities with large black populations and established historical black bourgeoisies have got some explaining to do they got some real explaining to do because the black bourgeoisie is is part and parcel they're the house negroes they absolutely will accept what little bit they can get from these racist institutions so that they aren't going to be directly subject to the oppression that they are instituting they 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 will they will fucking well what was samuel jackson's character's name again um yeah, the butler. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, they will definitely play that role faithfully. Faithfully. And so yeah, they got some explaining to do because they have a lot of people that the that the black elites in St. Louis have been propping up have been saying are the moderates are the same ones who are carrying racist ideology into the political sphere. And so yeah, man, St. Louis, I'm interested to see where that goes because that's also Miss Corey Bush's uh, 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 district. And I know for a fact that she is she is not going to sit on her hands while this is going on, especially because it's probably something that she's firmly aware of and has been looking for an opportunity. Yeah, can't to, do shit to, about to, it because they're so deeply entrenched. But now that the people are asking her to do something, because she's paid by the people. She can't just go chasing every Tom Dick. She ain't the police. But if the people... Are coming to their congresswoman and saying, "Hey, we have an issue with with some, with one of the largest constituencies in your district." Woo! She gonna step in and like a black mother, she gonna handle that shit. She gonna handle that shit. I have every faith in her to do anything that is possible within this realm because she is limited. She's limited because she's working within a structure that has has historically and systemically disenfranchised black women. So I'm not going to act as if she's can unilaterally, you know, take off her belt and show them all what the deal is and fix the problem. That's not what I'm getting at. But I'm what I am saying is, is that she can cause some noise and noise is exactly what they don't want. They don't want noise. And she brings that good noise. You know what I mean? The same way AOC does, same way Nina Turner does. Nina Turner is looking real strong in her bid for Congress for her uh, that seat in the House of Representatives to replace Marsha Fudge. That's going to be awesome. But yeah. I would love. I'm. I'm looking forward to see what happens over in um in St. Louis because that's some big shit. Over in Oakland, Oakland PD had to come out and publicly admit that they falsified all of the claims as to why they were using police brutality during the George <laughs> Floyd protest. Like, whoa, that's a mea culpa. Like I've never seen. There had to have been internal pressure. Something inside said you either. You put you put either put out a public statement or it's coming out that you guys were bullshitting this whole time, because I don't see no police department admitting that just of their own volition. That doesn't seem like a that doesn't seem like a, their mo to say the least. Especially in Oakland PD. Oakland PD is notoriously yeah. notoriously. <clears throat> they don't stand to gain anything from that. 
No, not from 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 that admission. So I was really surprised. But I thought, hey, any any time that you see some uh something like that happening, I mean, it's good. I don't know how far it's going to go. I don't know if it's going to actually enact change, but that was thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, I I don't know what they expect the people to make of that. You know what I mean? Because it's like when you're in a relationship and your girl admitted to you that she lied. You're like, thank you, but I'll, I'll never trust you. So I don't know where we go from this. We're still going to break up probably that you're a liar. <laughs> I can't, you know what I mean? But at the same token, I appreciate this honesty. It was the other honesty you needed to be on top of, but okay. You know what I mean? It's just, even if you manage to keep the relationship, it's going to be weird. It's going to be super weird because you know this person's capable of lying to you. You know, and it's like the people have known that the the Oakland PD has been lying to them. It's it, they've never had any semblance of honesty to them. So what do we do? What do the people of Oakland do now that they're performing this mea culpa? Like, thank you. I guess it was the right thing to do, but it's not like it's gonna. It's not like it's, it's not repairing anything. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing for the people of Oakland to do. Cops are the ones that fucked up. You feel me? Well, and and and. For the people of Oakland who were the subject of police brutality during the protest, this is what you guys need for your case. The city owes you money. The city owes you money. If a cop hit you with a baton, choked you, pepper sprayed you during an Oakland protest, they have performed the mea culpa. They have fallen on the sword. That means that you guys are due recompense. That's but, why if you're in a car accident, you never apologize because it could be, could be taken as you admitting fault. I, and 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 while I am a huge fan of just apologize off the rip, you're right, and that is that's why they don't apologize. But it is also why this is important, and also this is not like they apologize for 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 uh you know farting in the elevator. They beat the shit out of people. You know what I mean? Like there there's some recompense that should be had there. I understand, but you know, again, fucking <laughs> apologize. Don't make up for beating on people. You feel me? Yeah, I mean, I'm, the, I'm the type of person where it's like I don't really care about the apology. Stop doing what you apologize for I, I, because 100%. I don't believe that they're now going to stop abusing people. You feel me? Exactly. So you can take that apology and fucking throw that shit in the trash. I don't give a fuck. Stop being an asshole. If you, you stop being an asshole, you never have to apologize. Shazam! Big facts. <laughs> but yeah, moving on from that, the DOJ has made a a very disturbing move that I'm hoping. Uh, get shot down because if this if this becomes policy to uh start labeling local gangs as terrorists as domestic terrorists that is going to that is going to a not do anything about the gang issue it absolutely will not let's just put it this way they have gangland police that are 10 times more oppressive than Homeland Security ever could be, than ICE ever could be. And they have yet to do anything that really stemmed any of the gang violence that happened in L.A. The The gang issue in America is not an enforcement problem. or It is an enforcement problem in that there is too much enforcement. They have focused too much on that end of the, of, of this, of the equation and not enough on alleviating the issues that cause people to resort to gang activity for the type of social support that they need. 
Now, granted, that would literally mean they're fighting themselves because I do genuinely believe that there is a a social enterprise that is that is geared towards destabilizing poor black, brown, and minority people at their community level. And so if they ever stopped destabilizing, destabilizing black, brown, and, and, and minority community of colors on the community level, they would be working against one of their primary goals, even though that is actually what is needed to deal with the, act, with the, with the gang problem at large. They, they refuse to acknowledge that the issue with gangs starts with broken homes most of the time, frequently, and ends with people seeking alternatives to the normal societal structure to get the things they need out of life, whether it's a, a, a social need, a physical need, whether it's a, a, a mental health need. They they will resort to other things in society if they are not fulfilled by the what's in their environment. You you can do a lot. You can go a long way to remedying that issue without having to beat up a single person, without having to deploy another cop, by working on those 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 uh, situations. Now, granted, you won't get the immediate you know drop in crime tomorrow. But that investment of time is what is the work that needs to be done to stop the crime of the future. But they, 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 they aren't interested in doing that. They, they really are trying to push this idea that we just need to crack down harder. And it's a stupid idea. It's not backed by any kind of data. There's literally zero data to support that adding more cops will ever uh, reduce crime. Chicago PD is hiring more cops by the fucking day. Uh, 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 Dallas and Houston PD are are hiring more cops by the day, and m- people are still getting shot dead in the streets. The issue is not the police. We need to start doing something about the environments that are creating the situations. Because fixing people directly, I don't know. Uh, have you ever fixed a person directly? Not I don't, interested. <laughs> I've never managed to do it. It's not a. It, you, you can't. It, it's not a. Uh. 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 It's not something that you will be very successful at if you try to do it a lot. <laughs> and so let's work on the circumstances that can be changed. You can fix communities. Communities change all the fucking time for the better. Look at them. They, you could tell that white people believe in that. That's why they gentrify shit. They believe that they can make communities better. And they do it by pushing out the people that live there and building the structures that those people needed in the first place. So, you know, this whole move to label gangs as terrorists is not about helping people it's not about fixing the violence problem it's about empowering law enforcement to oppress more and more people and it sucks it really does suck because you'd think that having all of the kind of representation we do in politics today it would bring that that kind of sentiment a a new sentiment of police reform to the air but it don't and it it just shows like representation ain't it because even when you're at the table they can still ignore you they can ignore you at the table very easily you know and so yeah that one that one i don't think is going to end well and and i'm really hoping to get shot down but yeah 
we'll wrap up on this one because I thought that this was a funny topic to uh to come across my 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 feed. You have Michael Flynn out giving speeches, which it just shows, man. America loves a loser. America loves them a good loser. Like I don't know if it's America or if it's just Western ideologies because it's not just America. You you know you you go to the UK, they got a bunch of losers at the upper echelons of their government too, and he's out. You got Michael Flynn running around giving these speeches, and this uh, military veteran, I think he was a Marine, is 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 asking Flynn why um why what happened in Myanmar can't happen in America, as. And and the the tone of his question was that he was implying that it should. Yeah, it was a plant. And then here comes Flynn gobbling the bait. Well, you know that shit was set up from jump, man. Talking about this nigga's reply was the most disgusting thing. And and honestly, while I I was definitely I am definitely on the side of the people that are like, eh, January sixth coup, huh? A coup is a very very particular thing um the way that these guys like for flynn having been so embedded in the trump government as he was to 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 receive zero penalties for anything that he did and then go out in public and say something like this makes me feel like these motherfuckers really were trying a coup these motherfuckers really were trying to take over some shit and then you got uh fuck boy trump saying that he's going to get uh uh reinstated in August. Now we all know that that's fucking retarded. The American government literally doesn't have a mechanism to do that. But he knows that he can say this stupid shit to people and they will move on it. And this is a, this is why I believed in 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 the censoring of of Donald Trump is that that is a different kind of 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 chicanery when it comes to abusing an online platform. It's something very different. When you are dog whistling for violent revolution, that is, I think, a fundamentally different thing than telling people to drink bleach. Telling people to drink bleach is a terrible thing to say on on a public platform, but also something that you should be able to come to the other side of and realize it's a stupid thing to do. But him insinuating in an environment of such utter corruption that he was the subject of corruption is the type of dog whistle that will get people shot. And that, I think, is a fundamentally different type of thing. And so while I didn't particularly think that it was super important to 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 censor these guys on social media for saying stupid shit like that do is it okay to utilize public platform or 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 public private platforms like facebook instagram uh twitter and the like to foment public insurrection i i think that's a very valid question to be had i don't think that I don't think that censoring of that kind of speech is inherently totalitarian because there's a disingenuousness to what he's doing because if he was outright saying 
let's let's arm and he's organizing a militia and all of that stuff you know that would fall under the purview of 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 you know inciting riots but the 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 permissiveness of of allowing people to dog whistle violence on social media is particularly pervasive and i think it's especially toxic because these these uh platforms are frequented by the most vulnerable and by the most vulnerable, I mean the very young and the very old. The very old are vulnerable because they possess ideologies that are outdated. And the very young are vulnerable because they don't possess ideologies to counteract the fuckery. And so if we're going to create a widely distributed platform like this and not, and, and not, uh, uh, put some kind of stipulation on the the content creators to be to be mindful about what they're doing then yeah we're going to have to reserve the right of these content of these platforms to to censor people or else they themselves are now going to be utilized as a platform for public insurrection and i i don't think that, you know they shouldn't be required to allow people to 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 utilize their platform that way just like and and just like when they ban people for saying shit they don't like i think it's a bad idea but it's also their their right as as a as a private platform to restrict the 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 use of it to anybody uh who they see fit that's why i choose not to go on certain platforms i choose not to do certain things cuz i don't want to be subject to that kind of uh, authoritarian uh, 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 policy. You know, there's nothing wrong with choosing to abstain from things that you don't like, and that's what I I feel like is missing from from a lot of the the discussions about you know censoring on on social media and and allowing people to 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 broadcast things like telling their 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 constituents that they think that a a violent coup is necessary in America. The the reason why that is that's within their purview is because these things you you don't have rights in other people's house you know what i mean like you have rights but they they don't extend beyond what the person who owns that platform stipulates are the rules because you have entered into their private domain twitter is jack dorsey's private domain he can hire all the oversight boards he wants he can hire everyone else to 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 provide legitimacy to the decisions that that they make, but in the end, they reserve that right. And you can go to all the court cases that you want. And I I have very rarely seen court cases revoke the the right of a private property owner to to choose how and where they distribute their IP. And the, so the courts are never going to uphold this idea that Twitter doesn't have the right to ban you. They didn't. They didn't defend Trump. They ain't going to defend your ass. <laughs> so, yeah, they, you know this whole thing with Flynn and calling for for violent revolution. You know these pub, these social media platforms. You know they 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 have a responsibility to to not allow their users to abuse them. And while I don't. Like I, I don't support the the random taking down of videos that use clips of questionable material to critique them. But the idea that you should leave 
the raw videos available for the gullible to consume at your, at, you know, with, with no warnings, with no context, with no critique, I think that's just, that's uh, irresponsible. That's irresponsible. You know, and so, yeah, I, I just hope that the, these content uh, platforms, because it over the next probably you know, two, three years, we're going to see a lot change on, on, on that frontier. And it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. It, there, there has been very little adequate discussion on the difference between censoring critique and censoring uh, violence. They, they, they're looping it, they're lumping it all into the same category. And that's going to result in, in, in a loss of plurality of thought. But yeah, we'll go ahead. We'll wrap up on that. Thank you for joining us, guys. We appreciate you. Go ahead and uh, follow us on the social medias. You can find me on Twitter at Karee underscore T and at Home Heron. You can also find me on Instagram at Heron's Home Podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Rico underscore G Sound. And always remember, guys, time is only wasted if you choose to waste it. So learn from your mistakes. It's the only thing you ever will learn from. Peace. Take it easy.